Cheer up, Charlie. Give me a smile. What happened to that smile I used to know? Oh, Charlie Adam, dearie me. It's episode 11. It's the Dogger Saints unofficial St. Johnson podcast. This week we talked to Liam Craig about League Cups, damaged trophies, WhatsApp groups and breaking records. It's definitely not a derby though. We look back at more cup success. Plus, George O'Boyle in the Royal, Saint Stories, the Club Shop of Shame, and a whole lot more. It's episode 11 of Dogger Saints, an unofficial St. Johnson podcast, and this week I'm joined by a brand new co host. This man is... Nah, only joking. It's Danny Williams. Hey, yo, what's happening, dude? Hey. I'm the guy with a rep for being rude. Sorry, I just started singing, dude, about that. Hey, Dave, Sam. A, a fine 90s reference to kick the show off. <laughs> Getting him in early. And this week, Dan, I am delighted to say we are being proudly supported by GM Car Sales. Yeah, Sam, big thanks to Lee and Ross from GM Car Sales for uh, supporting us and for sponsoring this episode. If you want to go to their website, it's jmcarsales.co.uk. You don't need me to spell out JM, even... Even Mark Guidi wouldn't need to spell that one out. We start the show, as always, by discussing follow-ups from the previous week, clarifications and corrections. And we have a few cracking follow-ups this week, Dan. Hit me with them. This one will excite you more than most, I think. Now, we've talked over the last couple of weeks about the chicken and chorizo pie debate. You actually asked Ellie Barber if she's ever had one. I think that was the low point of your journalism career. I mean, you call it a debate. It's mainly just been me rambling on like a lunatic about these chicken and chorizo pies. One of our listeners, Tom Walsh, has emailed Yorks, the butchers of Dundee, directly, and he's only got a bloody response. <laughs> so Tom emailed Yorks and asked if they could get the chicken and chorizo pie back or whether it did exist, and they replied with, Good morning, Tom. Many thanks for your email. We have the next couple of pies of the week already organised, but I shall certainly pass on your interest to see if we can get this one on special for some time next month. And do you know what that calls for, Dan? A celebration. I, I enjoyed that quite a lot. Buster was getting involved in everything. <laughs> the dog was jumping up me, wondering why I was dancing around like a lunatic. But before the end of the season, we may have the return of the chicken and so pie. It's the only campaign we didn't start, but managed to get a conclusion with. Tom, you've done the good work there, pal. And we appreciate that. It's, I mean, it's fantastic. You imagine it now. The only game, the only game sort of left would be the Livy game. So imagine that. We're scuttling Livy. We're making the charge into Europe while munching down... A couple, maybe five, maybe six chicken and chorizo pies. You can't beat it. I thought you were waiting to get there, and I went, that's, that's too early for that <laughs> kind of nonsense. Get there might be shelled for a week. Now, we could have put this next bit in our club shop of shame section, but we got a message from Lauren McDonald. She's been a big listener from day one. If you're following us on Instagram, we, we always share our, our story because she always posts that she's watching it. A few weeks ago, we discussed the Rangers bar of dairy milk at £7.10. Outrageous. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Absolutely nonsense. But what she did, her man is actually a Rangers fan. But what she did do, though, which was quite inventive, was she made her own dairy milk with a wrapper. Basically, she printed off a 55 Rangers champions, wrapped around a bar of dairy milk, saved herself about £6. I don't agree with the sentiment of the, of the whole thing, but I agree with the ingenuity. In fact, 
Well, do I agree with the sentiment? I don't know. Well, maybe the sentiment. The sentiment is quite nice. Maybe I don't agree with the content. <laughs> That's but a bit the ingenuity, like... tremendous, Lauren. Yeah, well done you, Lauren, and thanks for listening as always. We did say last week, Dan, that we don't make many mistakes. None, I think we said. We've never made a mistake on the show. No, no, we've never been known to. <laughs> but well, we probably do, as I've said before, but nobody points it out. But Paul Taylor, so I stated that David Witherspoon had played all 180 minutes of uh, League Cup final and Scottish Cup final football. He only went and got subbed off in the Scottish Cup final, didn't he? Now, Paul, get a live point extra. <laughs> Paul, Paul's a big mate of mine. We can get away with saying that. We have to apologise to David Witherspoon and his family. The whole of Canada, I think we should have to say sorry to. Um, what's he called, that Prime Minister? Justin Trudeau? Justin Bieber. Sorry, Paul. Celine Dion. The Bare Naked Ladies. The Weekend. Um, I refuse to apologise to Brian Adams. I had a whining-ass prick. But Rooney read it. He was caught there by Marshall. Play continues. Uh, Stevie May in behind. Fontaine only able to get a glancing header. Stevie May picks out Melibed, and there's the opening goal out of virtually nothing. Uh, St Johnston showing their class, the cutting edge, and it's Guy Melibed who's got the breakthrough. So we had a game this weekend, Dan. We did have a game this weekend, Sam. Against local derby, not a derby, not a Tayside. Oh, what a farce that whole conversation is. We'll I, get I, I, like the, I like the guy who said... There's no such... Uh, uh, no, he didn't say there's no such thing as Tayside. He said Perth wasn't in Tayside. It's like, right, you can call... You can say it's not a derby, mate, but you're just redefining geography. He's <laughs> doing what he wants. Geographical bollocks. But who cares? Because Saints won 1-0. <laughs> 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 hey, that's enough of that. <laughs> yeah, that's that. <laughs> I'm getting a bit heavy-handed with the tunage. But yeah, we won 1-0. It wasn't... Um, I wouldn't put it down as a, a vintage performance. No, it was not. Um, but like you said last week, take a scrappy game, 1-0. It was a it was a strange game. I'm glad it's out of the way because the build-up this week, it was funny, but I couldn't have taken any more of it. Yeah, it was kind of a bit tiresome by the end, wasn't it? So tiresome. Is it a dart? It's no a derby. It is a derby. In fact, to be honest, with you, I didn't see that many people saying it is a derby. It was mainly just Dundee fans say it wasn't. I found the whole thing weird because there's obviously, it was rooted in some sort of superiority complex from Dundee fans. There's nothing to be feel superior about football-wise, so it's obviously a typical Dundonian city. And again, I can get away with saying that because I lived in Dundee for quite a long time, but yeah. And then Dundee's captain weighing in. Apparently, the man just didn't sleep last night and just spent his whole time being a gobshite on Twitter. It, it was good, though. To be fair, you would love if a St. Johnson player was coming out the wee thing, oh, we don't worry about Dundee, it's not a derby. They're, they're just a wee team in the championship. Something like that would be hilarious. You would. It, it was some good rustling. It was, but it didn't do him any favours because you missed a penalty, but we'll get to that. We'll go to the first half. Saints were one up. A good goal, good finish. Could have had a penalty. Should have had a penalty. Yeah. Um, the commentators after second half said they watched it back and he got the ball, but... He, he went a very peculiar method about getting the ball. <laughs> One that looked an awful lot to me like a foul, but hey, that's that's wise and wise. Uh, lovely goal, actually. It was probably Saints' one good moment of the game. Real bit of quality and it led to... It's a goal Stevie made it very well uh, in the build-up. The one, the one change to the side from about... Two months ago when we last had a game, uh, Stevie May was in for... Lee Jenkinson and Danny Griffin drop out for... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
uh, yeah, so it was, yeah, obviously Stevie May is coming for, for Chrissy Kane. And yeah, I mean, really good bit of hold up play. And it was a nice finish from Guy. Really good finish. He was, um, he was shooting on sight though. Like, I think he tried a speculative one from 40 yards that didn't even reach the edge of the, the 18 yard box. But a few and far between. Yeah. Booth had one in the second half. The biggest contentious issue of the match, I would say, would probably be in Dundee. They had the ball in the net and nobody can figure out why it wasn't given. No. Well, I think I thought sort of long and hard about this because the whole thing was confusing. I mean, it was an absolute clangor and the whole thing should have been avoided. But I look at it and try to work out what the linesman's given. Mullen was offside. So he's actually got it right in disallowing the goal. But whether he's given that or pulled a homer to succeed despite <laughs> idiocy is is another matter. I think the ref did put his hand up after he spoke to the linesman. I think that indicates offside has been given. But just the way the whole, there was a whole carry on, whether McPake thought and the Dundee players thought that he hadn't interfered. That's the only thing I can think of, that Mullen hadn't interfered. And until he got back on site. I don't know. It was a whole scrimmage, but yeah, I mean... I'm sure it'll come out in the wash. I don't really care. They had a penalty. They could have equalised. Our man, Charlie Adam. And I just knew it. I just knew as soon as he stepped up. I was like, this never, ever ends well. If someone's been shouting the odds in the build-up to a, a big game and then they get an opportunity to do something, it never ends well. And it was a pretty poor penalty. He used to, he used to take a good penalty. I thought it was a good save, a great save. It was a very good save, actually. I think Adam didn't quite get the power on it to get it through him or get the placement to get it into the corner, but I, it was a good save. And he, I tell you what he did well, because when it came back off the post, he was quite alive to it. Yeah. And he sort of smothered the ball. Yeah, where it hits the post and then it bounces back off the keeper and, you know, it's the keeper on the back of the head or on the hand and mm -hmm. dribbles in. So, yeah, he did quite well to smother that. And uh, Glenn Middleton had a chance. He came on that he should have done a lot better with, both of which ended up in the... Stand behind the goal, but hey, cup game doesn't make any difference. We're in the hat for the next round. Well, actually, the next two rounds. Yeah, two rounds indeed were drawn today. Looking at the the pot, there were some good teams we could have got. Uh, likes of Forfar, Montrose, Cove Rangers were still in there. They were at the time. Queen of the South, Stranraer. But we got a home tie and we got Clyde. A celebration yeah, yeah. worth having. But that's a great draw. It is a great draw. Uh, got to beat him. But he's seen Clyde's fixture list. Yeah, they've got, I think the game's next week, but they've got five games between now and us. It's ridiculous. They're like playing every two days. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's a shambles for them, really. Uh, unfortunately, it's just sort of a result of what's been going on this past year. But I think they've got 13, 13 games in 30. 32 days or something. It's, it's, it's a scandal. They've, Which, they've, they've not got the biggest squad in the world either. No. I mean, that's mental. And these lads haven't have barely kicked a ball for, for three, three, four months. But hey, look, we've got, we've got to beat him. Um, I'd imagine he could use the squad a little bit for that. It's tough for these guys. But you've got to treat him with respect. Look, look what happened to Hearts. That's it. I mean, it was so funny. <laughs> I, I, I laughed an awful lot. But... <laughs> The, you know, shocks do happen, but I imagine it would be a chance for guys like, uh, guys that haven't played a lot, so sort of your Hallorans, um, maybe some, maybe guys that haven't really played at all, sort of like James Brown and Charlie Gilmore. Yeah, Middleton, Bryce and Conway, give these guys another wee run out, but. Ah, yeah, I think whatever team we put out will be more than sufficient enough to beat, beat Clyde. Again, it's just a shame for Clyde, because I know they get half of the pot, depending on TV coverage and all that but yeah it's a shame for them that they're not getting sort of half of the gate receipts but it's the same for everyone at the minute 
That's exactly right. And bizarrely enough, the draw for the fifth round was done at the same time. One of the big ties in the fourth round, I'll say, was Rangers versus Celtic. And so all we had to do was avoid ball five. And the first team out of the hat was Rangers or Celtic, followed by St. Johnson or Clyde. Nathan Evans, the sea shanty singing wank, as we'll describe him now. How did he end up doing a draw? Anyway, I mean, just get Rod in every time. He was funny. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I mean, I always say, barring a few exceptions, notably Saints as two cut wins, you do generally have to beat one of the gruesome twosome. And we're going to have to do that if we are going to get anywhere. Look, one of them is going to take the other one out. You'd have to make Rangers favourites, but old firm game, anything can happen. Yeah, what it's going to be, it's whoever it is, it's the toughest tie of the round. So, as I keep saying, we've got to get past Clyde, but and we don't want to take that for granted, but we should be. I'll be honest with you, when obviously with a separate how the draw worked and all that, I was texting my mate who's a big Rangers fan, and I was giving him pelters for getting Celtic while we got Clyde, and then lo and behold what happens we basically in the space of 40 minutes went from having the best draw possible to then having the worst draw possible but again we've been very lucky with our two cut wins over the last eight or nine years where we've not had to face any of the old firm if we're going to do it we're going to have to do it the hard way and we're due to beat celtic they're still not great shakes they're 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 a great team they are a great team but they are on a one-off cup match beatable oh of course they are and we've seen it a lot this season but Said, you know what would be a really typical Saints thing to do? Go on. You know, get through Clyde, pull off the result against whichever one of them we get, and then get knocked out by a mob one. <laughs> yeah, that, that that would sum yeah. it up. But not this year. We've the luck's been on our side this year. We're we're on we're unstoppable. But if Callum Davidson wants to keep up his one hundred percent cup record with St. Johnson, then he's gonna have to pull something pretty might meet you out of the bag. But we will cross them bridges when they come to him, Dan. Yeah. And you know what the one thing about Saints is under Davidson? Go on. Very, very organised. Yeah. Very organised. And that'll be, provide some sort of difficulty for whichever one of them it is, especially if it's Rangers. Just when we do get the chance, get on the front foot. That's it. But we're not organised, so we play anti-football according to Dundee fans this week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, anti-football. I mean, yeah, because they had Claudio Kinesia about 100 years ago and it nearly killed the club. It's brilliant. Some of the, the stuff, the, the kind of sheer nonsense coming out of the Dundee camp. Yeah, Saints play anti-football. The, my favourite one was the comment that said that, well, it goes to show that when they say their best player was Dave Mackay, a hacker that couldn't get a game for us. You're like, come on now, yeah. you're just making yourself like a little bit silly. They're being very, very silly. I liked a comment that came to light about when they were listing off, some Dundee fan was listing off, Sort of great flair players that they've had. Gary Harkins <laughs> and Chucky Adam in the same breath as Claudio Canizia, who got 50 caps for Argentina. Brilliant. And no sense of irony at all with that. No, no, and that's what that's what we're up against. Yeah, we're not, because we're not up against them because we put them out. Yeah, and they're in a division below us. Callum Davidson's undefeated streak in cup competitions continues. You ignore the, the penalty shootout against Sunday United. That doesn't count anyway. That's a bonus not point. Not having a bonus point penalty shootout counting for anything, apart <laughs> from the bonus point. There you go. Doesn't count. Undefeated. Boom with it. And he had an undefeated month in March and he only got awarded the Manager of the Month. <laughs> oh, we've got lots to celebrate on the Dogger Saints podcast this week. And we my... don't want to peak too soon with that. Yeah, I think, I think people are going to be 
bored. I think we're only 50 minutes into the episode already and uh, people are going to be switching off. Was that song not using a car advert years ago? I think it was for... Was it Ford... car advert or was it, was it Guinness? Maybe. Well, the song's Fiesta by the Pogue, so it might have been for a oh. Ford Fiesta. I don't know. It could have been. And it's also the Pogue, so Guinness would make sense. It would. If anybody knows what it was used in, let us know. That should be our Twitter poll. Who's got the worst teeth, Shane McGowan or Charlie Adam? Charlie. <laughs> I say Charlie. I say Charlie. So... Callum Davison, manager of the month. So with two 1-0 wins against Hibs and Ross County and a 1-0 draw away to Hamilton, we'll include the League Cup win as well against Livingston, shall we? Any excuse, mate. Any excuse. Exactly. So that was enough for an undefeated month and the manager of the month trophy for Callum Davison. Richly deserved. Yeah, fantastic. Absolutely well deserved. He, he We were saying how unlucky he was um, last, last month. month. Yep. Yeah, well, February, yeah. Very unlucky not to get it then, but... That richly deserved, and it's just reflecting his growing sort of stature through the season, you know, within this sort of fledgling managerial career. And it, it's nice for him. As I always say, these things are a bit, you know, you, you take them or leave them as fans, but it is nice to see um, someone who deserves it getting the recognition. It's a boggling looking trophy, though, isn't it? It's just like a bit of plastic with Glenn's vodka written on it. <laughs> Probably have the bottle of Glenn's vodka. <laughs> so, that, that that does bad stuff. Anyway, he's it's not a, not a great uh, looking trophy, but it's a fitting reward. And yeah, he's he's done ever so well, particularly since the turn of the year. And yeah, it's just it's one thing we didn't really touch upon uh, two weeks ago when we we're discussing the top six. It's Saints have just timed it so well, and I think that's sort of been in the making all season because. You know, the system Callum came with, he could have easily ditched it after five or six games of the season because he didn't look like it was working, but he stuck with it. He's tinkered slightly with it here and there. And yeah, as I say, it's just reward um, sort of a fine upturning form from Saints since Christmas. Exactly. It's been a, a cracking week. Spoonie scoring his first international goal. Well done to him. Callum getting manager of the month. Liam Craig signing a new contract. What a time it is to be a St. Johnson fan at the moment, Dan. Ah, it's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And yeah, we've seen that spoony goal before, haven't we? The little the little chop inside. Yeah. It was it was a lovely moment for him. Here's Mark Anthony Kay to Watherspoon. He has all kinds of time. David Watherspoon, he gets his first Canada goal. Make it three in the 25th minute. Brilliant finish from Watherspoon. Excellent composure in the 18-yard box. He's Mark Anthony's great driving forward like that. And Wotherspoon's picking up these nice little pockets on the left-hand side, and he, good composure there, and a great finish. And a great way to get your first goal for your country. Well, his adopted country. <laughs> <laughs> we'll say it's his country. Granted, the Cayman Islands aren't an international juggernaut of a football team. However, you can only play against what's in front of you. You can only play what against what's in front of you, which is a constant justification for Peter Crouch's international career. <laughs> Did he ever score a goal against anybody that wasn't proper shit? No. <laughs> but another award for St. Johnson, well, Callum Davidson in particular, well done to him, and long may the success continue. We've had a lot of players on, Dan, uh, from the 90s, and you know I'm a big fan of the 90s. Oh, we do love the 90s. <laughs> and we've had some cracking broadcasters. We've been very lucky to have people coming on sharing their stories with us, but this week's something different. We've actually got a current player 
and the current St. Johnson squad on with us today. So good to have a current player come and join us and give us our insight. Exactly right. So our guest this week originally joined on a month's loan move back in December 2007 and scored on his home debut against Livingston. Over his two spells at the club, he chipped him with some vital goals, including goals against Motherwell and Dundee United in the hunt for third place and top six respectively. He is now due a testimonial and is closing in on Stephen Anderson's all-time appearance record. He also finally got his hands on some silverware and chipped in with a couple of screamers this season. It's the Dogger Saints' pleasure to introduce Liam Craig. Hi Liam. How we doing alright? Not bad at all bud, thanks for coming on. Looking forward to it, a bit nervous to be honest, I don't know. I don't know where <laughs> what's going to get asked. So Neither do we to be honest, we have no idea but that's the fun of it. Uh, but first of, uh, join the club, pal. first of all, I just want to say thank you, it's taken ages to get this set up but we finally managed it. It takes a lot of coordination and the right timing from both parties involved. And of course, talking about your goal celebration against Hibs in front of the Dogger Saints flag. So thanks for that, mate. Appreciate it. Yeah, incredible. I'm, I'm still waiting on my mug that you've been sending out to all the supporters as well. I've got your publicity and everything. It's here, mate. It it's my here. my last ever goal, to be fair, as well. So, uh, no, it was perfect, in fairness. Just even the celebration, I forgot what to do. It's been that long. So, uh, just standing there and perfect flag in the background for you. We'll go on, uh, it's been a busy month or so for you. We'll, we'll talk first about your new deal. You've got a new one-year extension on your contract. Got to be happy with that. Not delighted. As I've said before, I was I felt like I was a lucky one to get a six-month contract this time last year. So uh, after signing two six-month contracts to sign a year, feels like uh, you've won the lottery. So not delighted. And as I said for the start, I just want to carry on the success that St. Johnson's had over the years. And, you know, this season's been as successful as uh, or, or more so than, than any other apart from maybe 2014 we'll, we'll touch on that later <laughs> um, <laughs> with the new deal though there'll be a lot of talk about the all time appearance record holder spot up for grabs you'll you'll probably come out and say things like it's not something I'm thinking about and it probably isn't but but in the back of your mind it'd be a nice wee thing to have oh it'd be it would be incredible to, to pass Ando's record if you told me I was going to sign a three-year contract when I signed back in 2008, I would have been delighted. But it just shows you how well the club's run and not just myself and, and Ando, but you look at Chris Miller, Alan Manis, David Mackay, Fraser Wright, all these boys stayed for uh, Murray Davidson. How can I forget him? He's six weeks with the changing room still. You just get you know, the right club for you. And I definitely think I've got that with St Johnston and it would be another proud moment for me if I did pass Sando. Uh, but as I said, a year ago, I felt I was lucky to get a six-month contract. So obviously you always have one eye on it. Uh, but I was fortunate enough to play many of my games with Ando. Um, and even Alan Main, who's third on the list now, but I played a lot with him as well. And mm-hmm. not, to, not just to get the record if I ever did do it, but to play for the club in the last 12 years and what's been such a successful time is, uh, has been incredible. And to be able to contribute to that success is one of the main reasons you know, I signed at the very start because... Know, compared to Derek McInnes, he sold that vision that he wanted for the club and, you know, we have went from strength to strength from that time. You gave Ando a bit of stick since the announcement. Have you had a little word with him? No, what? I spoke to him. I was up watching Forfa versus Falkirk last Saturday with young Jordan Northcott on loan at Forfa right. and I texted him to see if he was being at, would be at the game but he wasn't at the game so he might have actually been at the game and just didn't know what to see me to be fair, <laughs> I don't know. So, no, I did say I'd catch up with him this week and I haven't yet but me and Ando have We've room shared, we've moaned at each other for, for day one and you know, I've spoken about it a lot in the past. The most One of the most miserable people you could meet, probably more miserable with him, was big Kevin James, who Andrew used to travel with. So I think he probably learned a lot off of him and just carried it on when big Kev left. So as I say, I, me and Andrew go way back and 
shared a lot of great times with him. And listen, uh, the, the character that he is, he'd be one of the first to congratulate me if I ever did catch his record. Well, first point, you you wouldn't want to really be in a car school with Kevin Jane, certainly if you're stuck behind him. What a nightmare <laughs> that would be. Hopefully a bigger motor than that. Wouldn't be much legroom. <laughs> no. I listened to you on another podcast, and you're talking about that you used to room share with David Witherspoon as well, and he's a pretty quiet guy. With Ando being that miserable, you don't get your, your pick of the, the guys to room with, do you? No, but you get a good night's sleep when his terrible start talking. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Miller, when he first signed with the club, I shared a room with him. The first pre-season went away, and then I started sharing with Ando after that. And now, obviously, David Witherspoon, he's got three kids, I've got three kids. So, to be fair, we get away in a hotel for a night. It is light suit, go to sleep with two of us as soon as we get there. And delighted for him this week with what he's done with Canada and I just hope he's going to be ready to go against Dundee on Saturday off the back of a huge week for him exactly right plenty to talk about in terms of Saints this week at the time of recording today it got announced that Callum Davidson got manager of the month got to be delighted for him oh absolutely obviously uh, I've been close with Callum for a number of years and you know, I was lucky enough to play with him but I just think you know what he's done whoever was going to take over from Tommy it was going to be Aye. some task to be fair to them we're appointing Callum he knew the club he knew a lot of the players. You know, even when he was down at Millwall and Stoke, he was still coming to St Johnson games. I spoke to him all the time as well. So, you know, he knew what he was coming into. And I just think what he did at the start, he implemented his ideas. And all right, we never got the results at the start of the season. But I definitely think you could see what he was wanting us to do and how he was wanting us to play. And although we had a few tough results, he stuck by that. And, you know, we're getting the rewards for it now because I think we are playing exciting football, attacking football. And, you know, on other days this season, we probably could have took a few more goals off the teams. But for can't we win that it's just rewards for you know a top six finish a, a league cup win and you know still so much to look forward to this season what's it like with your management team obviously Maka and Callum you're playing with them and now they're being your gaffers I suppose it's difficult and easy at the same time I suppose because you know at times stuff might happen in training and I'll react just like Maka reacted and you know there might be an argument here between players and they're stepping in to stop it or shouting at me to shut up and all the rest of it and the one thing we all are is winners uh, and you want to do well and you know Maka was certainly that um, and even in training now Maka could still play when he got, joins in training that class that he had when he was here before he left to go to Hearts it's a way for the stadium I still call the manager gaffer I don't know if it's more awkward for him or if it's more <laughs> awkward for me I didn't mind doing it but I think you know for maybe at the golf course calling him gaffer he probably gets more embarrassed by it than me to be fair <laughs> no it is you know they two have came in along with Alec Cleland who's been at the club a number of years now and it's just it's just what as I say I've been fortunate at St Johnston we've always had a really good dressing room and, and that's the same now and I've said in the past we've always had good senior pros and you know I'd like to think I'm that pro now can help the younger ones but certainly when you're playing with the quality that, that we've got with, with Ali McCann in the middle of the park and the back three that everyone talks about and rightly so you know Big Xander's an experienced one now so right through the spine of the team although the boys are young they've got so much experience and look at Ali McCann for his development to go away with Northern Ireland and for the manager in the country to trust playing him against Italy is incredible and um, as I said in the past and Johnson's going to make a lot of money off of these players or the future's going to be really bright moving forward. A quick one, Liam. Have you noticed um, a bit of a change in Maka or from yes. when he was playing to coaching? He's quieter, to be fair. But again, it's still a huge... And what's great for me is he's just finished playing and obviously I want to go into coaching when I finish. So it's great having discussions with him and you know sometimes I'll take a session with the younger players and Maka will be there and it's great bouncing ideas off him. But I love when he takes smaller groups, especially when it's the strikers, the little details he talks about. You know, that's stuff that people don't see or, or, or will hear, you know, even on a Saturday, if you like, when the fans are back in. But seeing him in training, how he works and the small little things that matter, uh, matter a lot that he, that he passes on to the strikers is incredible. And, you know, it just shows how good a staff we've got 
with, with the success that we've had this year and so quickly to do it. Obviously, Mac is new to coaching, obviously full-time. Callum's first managerial job. Like St. Johnson's shown, if you get the right mix of staff and the right mix of players with a, a really good atmosphere, then you can go and achieve stuff, and we've done that again this year. Point on Mac, where you said if you, you might not be able to hear him when you're in the ground. I had to cover my young son Noel's ears at a game. We're sitting in the main stand about three rows in the front and he was calling the lines when I cunt. Daddy, what's that? Like, nothing, forget it. Yeah, he's called me that a few times. No, it's usually got ginger in front of it, so. <laughs> We'll go back. You started your career at 16, moving down to Ipswich. I believe, was that a local scout that spotted you playing in the borders? Would that be right? It was when I was playing with Scotland schoolboys at the time. Oh, okay. It was actually local to me now. Alan Fraser from Pullman. He's a, he's a scout for Derby County now. Okay. At the time he was working with Ipswich and he actually got in contact with my school at the time. Time. If I was interested in giving my phone, and you know, obviously Ipswich was a massive club, I was at Hearts at the time, but one or two things went on there that I wasn't happy about, and the opportunity came up to go down and train. And um, at 16 year old, leaving a village and in the borders to move down to Ipswich, it was like the big city lights, if you like. Now, as I've, I've said many times in the past, and I'll always stand by it, the grounding I got there was why I'm still playing at, at 34 now. I would say so, but you came back up the road, signed for Falkirk. Again, it was I knew them, so it was easy to settle in up here. And it was Alan Fraser who was now working for Falkirk that obviously brought me to Ipswich, brought me back up to, to Falkirk and to meet Yogi and to sign my first professional contract. I'd only signed a YT at Ipswich, so I felt ready now in my development to go and play in the Premier League. And I still followed the Premier, uh, Scottish Premier League and Scottish football, so I knew all about the teams and the players. And now it was an opportunity to go and test myself against them. And uh, I had a great time at Falkirk, obviously, when you're playing like, say, the, the first six months. We Patch Craig, obviously, a St. Johnson legend as well, part mm -hmm. of that Scottish Cup winning team. He signed the same week as me. So me and him are still very close now. And I've been lucky in that regard that throughout my whole career, built relationships and close bonds with people at, at certain times that have definitely helped my career moving forward. With Scotty Arfield and Tam Scobie and all that there at the same time? Well, sorry, I, Tam, another one. Tam was just breaking into the first team. Scotty hadn't yet. Scotty breaking in 18 months later is one of the reasons I probably left. Okay, <laughs> yeah. No, but Tam as well. And, you know, at that time, me, Padge and Tam, eh, along with a couple of other boys at the club, younger boys, we were out every weekend together. And, you know, Stephen O'Donnell, who's St. Patrick's athletic manager now and Padge is his assistant. You know, we were just running riot, if you like, and just loving being a Premier League footballer for Falkirk and everything that goes with it, if you want. Were you going out in Falkirk? Aye, breaking into the first team and I thought, well, the big cheese, let's be honest, and you're <laughs> out in the town and uh, loving it. And fortunately, we were doing quite well in the league, never in a relegation battle. Uh, so it was good to go out. And as I say, as I, I, I love playing there. And obviously, I met my wife at Falkirk as well and we've just stayed in the area ever since. And you know, it's one club that I always look back on for the results to see how they're getting on and Unfortunately, they find ourselves in League One, but certainly the two years I was there, you know, we had, like say, Tim Creel, Casper Schmeichel in the goals, playing alongside Russell Latifi. He was, you know, one of, if not the best player I've ever played with. Anthony Stokes came along for Arsenal. Incredible how yeah. good he was at the time. And as I say, me, Padge and Scobes, it was a young team there that, although we were young, we wanted to do well. Jack Ross was the captain, obviously captain of Hibs now. So again, you talk about senior pros. We had good people around about us and, and John Hughes and Brian Rice were two characters that even now we still laugh about some stories back then. <laughs> Incredible people. And again, just right for my development at that time to be at that club. Yeah. And oh, before we move on, yeah, I'm just trying to get a visual image of you 
Russell Latape, Tam Scobie, John Hughes, and Jack Ross, and behind the wall than a trip to the Manakee at night. Just can't get my head around that. <laughs> it, was, it was probably then, it was probably roses rather than the Manakee. <laughs> Gobes would take you up to the Manakee right enough. But no, there was a few nights out, and uh, as I say, when you're going out with people like Russell and that, well, we brought Dwight York up, uh, <laughs> and Dwight York was out in the behind the wall as well. So uh, back then, it was uh, there was a few big hitters flying about behind the wall. I bet. My missus started doing stuff for Falkirk now and she came in the other day with two little kits, two little Falkirk away tops. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can put them on them. Mine, I mean, because obviously Laura still works at the club as uh-huh. well, so they've got the Falkirk strips and Johnson strips. So Blit uh, loyalties. That's it. So you moved to Saints, Dennett McInnes took you back. We're in the first division at the time. Probably the start of the revolution, I would say, for the club. That, that mug's terrible, by the way, Liam. I know this won't work in a podcast, but... That's what I mean. I knew a new one. That's it. I know, <laughs> ju- I, know ju- I know just the one. Um, Mine's got a half-made cup of tea in it across the room. Who you do? Yeah. There's not even any tea in that. I just brought it because I thought if I show my mug, it'll, it'll clip on that. I need Big my... hint, new mug. <laughs> Snap the handle off it. You, you joined Saints, Derek McInnes took you down. Originally, it was, if I remember right, it was on loan, wasn't it? When you came in December. I just for a month initially. That's right. Um, I think, obviously, Dale got the job. Owen had went down to Burnley. And I think Dale might have been struggling, well, struggling, but just finding it hard to play and manage. And I think he, he probably realised that he was at a really good club. Obviously, Tony Doherty came in as assistant, and it was a real opportunity for him to go and um, step into the managerial world. And unfortunately, I never got to play with him. I think I probably came in to play in stadium um, at the time. And he was on the bench a few times, but I can't remember ever playing a game with him. So, uh, no, it started for a month. I remember my first game, we got beat 1-0 away to Hamilton. But then the week after, we beat Libby 5-2 at home. He's and I scored, scored that, that yeah. game. And I just loved it. I mean, again, you talk about the changing room. You know, it was Big Kev, it was Ando, it was Pizzo, Hardy, Paul Sheeran, someone that I'm still close with now, Alan Main, Goran Stanich, Gary Irvin. Like, just a really good group of boys. And I just loved being back playing. Obviously, I hadn't been playing at Falkirk. is the reason I came to St. Johnston. And, um, but I knew I had to work hard to stay in the team because we had a really good squad of players there. Andy Jack. And another one, Rocco Quinn was here at the time as well on loan for Celtic. So um, he was a playboy, wasn't he? Rocco was brilliant. You know, yeah. I'd worked with Rocco in the uh, uh, Scotland setup as well, and just knew how good a player he was. And I had a right good uh, team at that point, but never that season we were never going to win the league. We were too far behind, even in the December, if I remember right. Dundee uh, and Hamilton, I think. But we'd, that was the year we had a really good run in the Scottish Cup. Danny McBreen put us one 0 up against Rangers in the semi final, and. I'd managed to score a few goals in the... Uh, I remember I go up at Ross County uh, to win 1-0. Uh, I put us 1-0 up against St Mirren in the quarter-final at home. I can't remember who scored for them, but we battered them in the replay. I think that was the last game at Love Street, the last Scottish Cup game, sorry. Okay. At Love Street, we won 3-1. Um, and we were brilliant that night. And then who did we beat in the... Oh, sorry, then Rangers. Sorry, Rangers in the, the semi-final yeah. at Hamden. Uh, and that was a really good Rangers team. They got to the UEFA Cup final that year. That was a Zenit uh, year, yeah. So, uh, and that was obviously Queen of the South had beat Aberdeen on the Saturday. So, going into the game on the Sunday, it was, you know, this arguably was our cup final, if you like, because we would have backed ourselves, probably the same as Queen of the South, but we would have backed ourselves to beat Queen of the South in the final. Mm-hmm. And to go 1 0 up in extra time, play so well, um, only for Rangers to get a penalty. Can't even remember the incident now if it was an obvious penalty or a soft penalty. Um, but to lose on penalties uh, was tough to take that day. But you could already see the manager was building to win the league the next season and that was certainly why I'd came and, and certainly why you know, people like Jody Morris and Gavin Swanky, Chris Miller was coming. We were all going there we were along with the core of players that were already there to, to go and win the league the next season. I was the manager's first signing and then Jody, Jody must have came about February time so his first game was at Dens. D- Dundee scored a header. Jody scored. <laughs> I remember that. It's been wild, yeah. He scored in, 
and got knocked out. So it was welcome to Scottish football. There's a goal in the derby and he got knocked out as well. So aye, that was a couple of months later. But for me as a young player, you know, Jody Morris coming to the club, someone you know, people forget he was only 29, I think. No, he time. wasn't old. So, he wasn't over the hill by any stage, was he? It was incredible for the club to, to, to get him. And obviously it was Dale's contacts and knowing him that, that got him here. But with Jody coming in, he just bought into the club and bought into what the manager wanted to do and was brilliant in the dressing room. Um, and someone that I could only learn off and certainly playing alongside him. I spoke about Russell Latifi, but you put Jody in that bracket as well, just top, top class. And you could see why these boys have played at the highest level for so long. That's it. I've got um, two points to make. We had Richie Foster on a couple of weeks ago and he talked about the the divide between the young and older guys in the changing room. Back then, obviously, you were a younger, all the, all the older pros do a lot of the talking, but th- when was the, the switch for you from like being a, a younger player? To, was it when you returned to the club and you were seen as more of a senior pro? Or? No, I think, um, but even back then, I was quite, as I spoke about Jack Ross and that at Falkirk, I used to put myself in about these guys as well because you wanted to learn off them. And when I came to St. Johnston, Paul Sheeran, honestly, he's been massive in my career as well because even though I was the same position as him, you know, every Friday morning, me, him and Big Kev would sit in the wee players lounge with, uh, honestly, a full packet of biscuits and the three of us would ask a lot of them before training. Right? <laughs> no, you're joking. And I used to hate if Big Kev was on the biscuits because it would be the boneless biscuit ever, like a rich tea or something. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, me and Peanut were made the, the caramel uh, chocolate digestive. Digestive, sorry. Like. That's the one. That's but, um, <laughs> well, class. Yeah, they are but well class. Is, but we were just there. So I got really close with... With, with, with Paul Sheehan especially um, early doors so I was I was comfortable with the senior players all the time and they were there to help you and, and they did and you know I've had some great nights out in Perth with Peanut and he is someone that I always know I can phone for it for any advice and you not know, certainly back then but at the time I left St Johnson probably you know it was a make-up with Cup Tie, Fraser, Ando, the manager obviously, Jesse Miller, Murray Davis and Jody Morris. I probably felt like a senior one even though I wasn't a senior one by age, if you like, you know, being at the club for that long. So, and it was an easy dressing room to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, and as long as you worked hard, and that's the biggest thing, if you're going to go into a dressing room and work hard and show the right attitude and show that you want to be there and buy into what the club's all about, then, you no, know, the dressing room is an easy place to be in. Um, certainly, my time there, we've always had a really good dressing room and some big, big characters, but everyone wanted to do well for the club. And whether that was over a period of four or five years or someone like Franz Andaza who came in for one season but was exceptional scoring 17, 18 goals I always knew that he was never going to be there for the long term he was in to you know, get a bigger move and when he did come in he, he, he showed that he wanted to be there and work as hard as anyone else at the club to, to do well for the club It's, it's amazing now you touch on Sandaza went through a period of maybe five or six seasons that every season's top scorer ended up moving to another club. Sandazo was one, I think, yourself, by chance, might have been the top scorer when you moved on to Hibs. I think the difference with Fran and when Stevie May got his 20-plus goals the year I left, we... The, good, the year we finished third, and that was the season I left, we um, we never had a goal scorer in double figures, which is incredible when you finish third. But yeah. I think Marcel, Murray Davidson, Viney, Stephen McLean, maybe Tads as well, all got eight goals each. So there's 40 goals uh, you know, spread yeah. out. So the only one they had in that one striker that would get 20 goals, we had, you know, everyone was chipping in with goals. You know, Cuptide scored a few, Ando Fraser had scored a few, I think the gaffer maybe even got one as well. Yeah, but that's probably cancelled out with the own goals he got. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, we just, again, we just, uh, I mean, I remember being in the Premier League getting top goal scorer with six goals one season, I think. 
And that was probably the frustrating thing back there. We probably didn't score enough goals uh, at the early part, but certainly the year we finished third, we went into every game. You know, it was a great feeling because you just felt that you could win every game. Yeah. Um, after a tough start that season, obviously the first game was away in Turkey against Eskisport in Europe. Um, but to finish that season as strong as what we did was was incredible. And you know, we finished third in the Premier League, some achievement. And that group of brought that group of boys had a bit of everything and it had fight. It had ability, a desire and a spirit just to no get beat. Um, and we showed that so much that season. Well, it was it was amazing because you announced your pre-contract in, I think, maybe December or no, in January it was. And um, you then decided to play some of the best football you've played with St. Johnson up to that point. Unbelievably. But um, it just kind of shows the attitude that and the, the faith the manager had in you. But then you had, a, you had a wee funny turn. You went to Hibs for a couple of seasons. But you captained Hibs. That's a massive honour, joking oh, aside. It was. Um, and listen, as, as tough a time it was at Hibs, I did love playing for the club. And mm-hmm. you know, I was fortunate enough. I scored the winner in the derby. Scored more than a hat-trick in my career at Easter Road. Um, and there was some good days. But as I said earlier, sometimes you just get a, a, a club that... It's perfect for you. And at times, it was probably stuff I was doing at St. Johnston that got me the move. That Hibs, you know, playing that way wasn't the way that the fans wanted you to play. Um, at times, you know, some people, you know, I laugh about it now, Craig Bryson always hammers me just for helping it into the channel. So that was effective at St. Johnston. It still is effective at times because, you know, that was our strengths at times. Whereas I'd maybe do that at Hibs and that wasn't the way that they wanted to play at times. So listen, I'm not saying that's the reason I didn't do great there, but it was a different way they wanted you to play. And it wasn't the way I was used to playing at St. Johnston. And you know, as I say, I came back and the biggest thing when I came back to St. Johnston in 2016 was to carry on the success that the club had had. Because obviously in that two-year period, we win the Scottish Cup of some big, big results in Europe and remained a top six team. So for me coming back that first season, I knew that... I had to stand up again and, and, and be part of a team that was going to be successful. Unfortunately enough, the first two years I was back, I think we finished fourth both seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so it worked out no too bad. It was great just to be back playing the Premier League and back playing at a club that you know, probably did really appreciate what, what I'd done. And I think that six months you talk about probably helped me. Because I remember after it got announced, we had a game up at Ross County. Okay. Um, and Richard Britton, it had been announced, he'd signed a pre-contract with us. And we were, I think we got beat 1-0 that day. And I was getting... A lot of abuse for the supporters and probably rightly so uh, to a degree. And I remember at one stage we were probably singing Richie Britton's name. <laughs> that changed. <laughs> and, <laughs> but again, I think that six months is probably why it was so easy to come back to the club with the supporters, with the chairman, with the manager. So obviously he was assistant at the time. I've never been one of the players that was ever going to down tools. I, you know, whatever team I play for or whatever I'm doing, I, I give up my everything and if my best isn't it good enough then you know you hold your hands up and say I'm not good enough but as I say the biggest thing was coming back and carrying on that success that we did and you know fortunately we did and being part of the club this transition of players because you know a lot of the players I played we were coming to the age I am now um, and leaving the club and the Rally McCanns and Jason Kerr's, Chris Kane's, Andrew Clark's, they were all coming through. So for me to be a part of that transition period as well was brilliant and then to also help these young guys um, and I think I've done that as well and so the club's just, you know, it is perfect for me. Um, and you know, I think it's worked both ways and the club's got the best suit of me. And arguably the last couple of months is the best football I've played since that six month, you know, back in 2013, I think it yeah, is now. I've certainly been discussing this podcast quite a bit about that. Dan? Yeah, um, yeah, just really, I mean, at least you followed through on your move and didn't fanny out like, uh, <laughs> like some people. But yeah, not to dwell too much on the Hibs thing, because obviously we are here to talk about your spells at Saints. But was it just really... 
a case of sort of right place, wrong time with all uh, that happened. No, I just think, you know, when I was leaving St Johnston, there was initial talks about a new contract, but it was nothing ever concrete. And because we'd done so well up into that point, I didn't know if other players were going to leave, if they were going to stay. Um, because, listen, we had a right good team at that stage. You know, we'd just finished in the top six a year before. You know, Murray Davidson had been spoken about, you know, moving to Rangers earlier. Chris Miller, you know, someone else who was playing really well for us at that time. And obviously, Tads and Nigel and, and Viney were having great seasons. The manager, it was probably going to be his last season at left-back. So there was, I just felt at that time there was going to be a lot of change. As it happens, it was probably only me that left. But at the time, you, you know, you never know. And the opportunity came up. Um, and there was other opportunities as well. But I felt the, the Hibs one was the right one for my career. And obviously, it didn't work out that way. But I look back now, and I'm probably a better player and a better person for that experience. And moving forward into coaching and management, hopefully, if I get the opportunity, I'll be a better coach and manager for that experience as well. well at least that response is more dignified than Ron's fine response when he moved to Hibs, to be fair. But uh, <laughs> we'll move on. Um, in the two seasons you went away, like as you touched on, you you missed some big St. Johnson games, the Rosenborg one especially, but probably topping that would be the Scottish Cup final. Being the type of character you are, um, I would suggest you would have been absolutely delighted for the guys. Exactly, and uh, the only reason I wasn't at the Cup final because we were in the playoffs at that stage. Otherwise, you know, I would have been there with Laura and, uh, and my two kids at the time. As you say, there, I knew these players as well as anybody. I knew how hard and that spirit and everything else that goes with a good dressing room goes was in that dressing room. And to see them do that, and not just for the players, for the club as well, because I'd seen how the club had progressed from, you know, when I first signed in the first division and we finished third and then got promoted. And just seeing the club building up, there's so many good people at the club. So to see them do that uh, and have that day was incredible. And the only thing I was jealous of was not having, like when I see the players and their families on the park, because that's one day as a football player you, you always dream about if you win a trophy, you know, having the moments and pictures with your family would be incredible. So in terms of winning the cup, obviously you want your day in the sun and I'm sure we'll talk about mine a few months, uh, a few weeks ago there. I just look at it now and I spoke to the chairman about this. So use that as inspiration because it just shows that if you do get the right group of people and the right spirit and, you know, you all buy into what the club is and where you want to go, you can achieve stuff. And that's certainly what this club's done for the last 12 years. And, you know, as I say, to finish the top six this year off the back of a cup win with the young squad of players we've got, you know, the future is only going to be bright. I think so. Actually, we'll, we'll touch on that briefly while we're here. There must be chairmen up and down the country tearing their hair out of how St. Johnson have managed to do what they do year in, year out on the budget they've got when other chairmen are throwing money at it, changing manager. What, what, it's like they mean in their life. What does St. Johnson do that's different from any other club to achieve the level of success based on their budget? I think, you know, they give players an opportunity to go and develop um, in a really good environment. I think, uh, you know, speaking from my experience, when I went to Hibs, I'd played under two managers at St. Johnston when I, before I got there with Derek McInnes and Steve Lomas. You know, when I went to Hibs, I played under Pat Fenlon, Jimmy Nicol for a spell, Terry Butcher, and Alan Stubbs, and I was only there for two years. Okay. And what I loved about this season and the last couple of seasons, even when Tommy was here, the chairman gives the manager time to get it right. You know, at the start of this season, results weren't going well. I don't think there was any other pressure on, on Callum to go and... He would have put pressure on his cell, and rightly so, because that's what you do as, as a manager and as someone involved in football. But he gets time to go and build a, a way of playing and build a squad of players. You know, at the start of the season, we didn't have the strength and depth up front that we've got now. Guy wasn't here, Cano was injured, Maisel was injured. You know, so we 
we never had that. So maybe that was one of the reasons we never got results because we were still playing decent football. Um, but I think that's what St. Johnson have done. You know, Tommy was here for him in eight years, mm-hmm. seven, six, seven as manager and a couple as assistants. So, um, you know, Callum knows what the club's all about. Callum's came in and added his own players, but you would never say that there's been a huge turnover of players at St. Johnson season in, season out. You've had a core there that knows what the club's about. You no, know, I was actually I was speaking to Joe Shaughnessy today. We're just talking about different, you know, in, in terms of when you're speaking about bonuses with the chairman and that as well. The one thing we've heard at St. Johnston, you know, at the start, it would have been the senior players involved. But then all of a sudden, I started getting involved with Ando in these discussions or with Cup Tag. Uh, Murray Davidson's been involved in these discussions in the past. So even when the older guys leave or the senior guys leave, younger guys know what's happening. Joe became captain, but I was still in these meetings with Joe as, as vice captain. David Willerspoon's another one that's been in these meetings. And now Jason's been in the meetings. So they all know how the club works and how the club wants to move forward. So it's not a shock to the system. You know, just like obviously Jason's a young captain, but he's got good people around about him and has had for, done for the last couple of years. So there's a probably a continuity there that other clubs don't have. And when you talk about the appearances that I've made, there's so many other players made well over 200 appearances for the club. You know, so that's four or five seasons worth right there. So you've always had this core of people that know what the club is all about. And then you've had your fans and as they come in do brilliant and move on to you know hopefully better things for them because they've done well for St Johnston and I just think we've had that balance right between manager and, and players and turnover of players that other clubs you're looking every manager that comes in he wants to bring in 10 players so you're not getting that you know time to develop a, even a spirit if you like mm-hmm. um, we've had that at St Johnston and as I said earlier it's brilliant now that we've made that transition for the senior players to the younger players and hopefully you know they're starting to see what it's all about and as the club moves forward, they'll carry on that spirit. Just on that, uh, obviously, you've already sort of touched upon it earlier. And it was, um, so you've got a bit of a role looking after the young lads who are out on loan and keeping an eye on them. And is it just the sort of importance, because as you sort of touched upon, seeing these guys come through together that are in the first team at the minute, like Liam Gordon, Jason, Xander. Um, do you think that really helps with the continuity as well, having sort of guys that have come up through from a young age and through together and sort of how your role looking after the lone guys plays into that really I think what's good for the young players coming in you know even like Alex Ferguson who's just came in this season Cammy Ballantyne obviously alone at Montrose but when they're coming into the first team dressing room they're no daunted by oh, I'm in the first team dressing room or I'm in the first team squad training because there's familiar faces there, which is huge, I think. The good thing for me now looking after loan players is you speak about Jason, Liam, Xander, Kano, Mazo. These have all done it before. You know, they've all had one or two loan moves for a couple of seasons, developed and again they've went there, did well, developed into good players, and then they've came into the squad ready to go and play first team football. And that's what I keep telling the young players that are out now. And it's it's great for me to go and you know watch them, speak to them a couple of times a week just to see how they're doing. Because of COVID, they can't come in obviously and train with us. Um so so it is over the, the phone or, or Zoom calls if I'm watching their clips with them just to see where they, they could have done better or what they could improve on or what the managers want them to uh, improve on as well. So it's, it's been great for my development as a coach, but certainly for the young players that are out on loan now, the opportunity is there. And that's that starting 11 that won the cup proves that because there was so many that have done what these guys are doing now and went on to achieve that. So I think it's, I think it's massive. I think the loan thing has worked very well for St. Johnson. And the good thing was, because these guys have went and done well, they're now coming back to look at our younger players again. Well, they're doing something right at St. Johnson in the academy because, you know, they're producing these players. So now that's why we've we've got so many players out on loan now and, and doing well. Cammy Ballantyne will probably just be in the pick now at Montrose in terms of he's an older one. 
um, you know, playing week in, week out against really good teams with Falkirk and Partick in that league as well. So, no, it's been great for my development. And as I say, I just think it's important for these guys when they do come in that there is familiar faces and they come into an environment where they know, listen, it's going to be tough, but football is tough. But as I say, keep going back to you going to show the right attitude, then you'll be fine. Brilliant. As you say about uh, continuity, I think the last time we talked about this, the last time a manager was sacked or at St. Johnson was 2004. So well before, like, which is an incredible run. Uh, we had Alan Preston on a couple of weeks back, and when he was manager at Livy in 2004, they've had 23 different managers since up to this date, up to Martindale. Saints have had six or seven, and none of them have been sacked. They've moved on to other clubs. So that helps as well. You, you kind of see where it's going to go. If Callum does move on to bigger and better things, you, you kind of hope we can see what's kind of going to progress and go through the system next. But we'll talk about that day this time last month, uh, last day in February. We only went and bloody won the Betfred Cup, didn't we? Incredible. Mad with no supporters there. <laughs> you know, incredible that um, to go and do it this year. But in a way, you know, what a year to go and win it when there's been so much, you know, doom and gloom and disappointment for a lot of supporters and tough times for a lot of supporters. You know, to give our supporters a, a trophy this year was incredible. And even for the club, you know, it's, I spoke about it after the game. You know, everyone's made a lot of sacrifices this year. You know, a lot of people have done overtime behind the scenes at the club to make sure that we're following protocols and that the players are working in a safe environment and to go and reward the club with that. And it was just incredible and we've still not celebrated it proper, but, you know, certainly looking forward to that in the summer. I think I went on a bit of a ramble about this in the post-cup final special and nearly ended up greeting. <laughs> and it's about, but what a sort of thing to have at this time, even though we couldn't be there, to have that cup win and um, well, you might have seen it yourself just around Perth all the flags and all the colours out and on all the pubs well all the shut pubs and all that it was just yeah it was, it was magic but we we, well, we, had, we had Michael Dubry on a couple of weeks back and you know, obviously the, the photo of you on the pitch on FaceTime and uh, Laura Calvin and the kids it was a nice touching moment. It was probably the moment you deserve. It was probably the most poignant bit of the whole cup final. But um, Michael Dubry said you were just uh, showing off, just looking for attention. Uh, to be fair, I love the big guy as well. Another one that came up and really, I mean, bought into everything about St. Johnston and, and left a hero almost, but he, even though he wasn't here that long. Because he texted me at 7 o'clock in the morning uh, the following day, hammering me about that picture as well. To be fair. <laughs> but no, that was, you know, I speak about wanting to have the moments and some of my best days, the last game at Motherwell before I moved to Hibs, you know, being on the pitch with Calvin that day and he's got a beach ball because the club's in Europe and that and there are moments and pictures that you never ever forget or um, want to lose. So, and the whole talking to them, it was a case when I went in the dressing room, you know, we'd celebrated and that and then I turned my phone on and, you know, reading messages and the whole thing had just hit you because, you know, I was genuine after it as well. Like, there's a lot of crap days in football, mm-hmm. you know, and I've had my fair share, fair share of them. And I generally didn't think I'd win a trophy, uh, especially when I'm 34 now. So to do it at 34, I think you do appreciate it more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just had to leave it because when I was reading people's messages and you know, seeing what it meant to so many people, and you talk about Perth, um, blue and white, and I, I, I did drive around the city before it because I just wanted to see, you know, I remember losing a semi-final to Falkirk when I was at Hibs and I had to go into the town the day of the final because actually me and Laura were going to a wedding I had to go and pick something up and the town was navy blue and white. Just, you go, this would be class to be a part of this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that was the day before I thought, you know what, I just want to get a feel for it myself. And because you're travelling on your on your own now as well, 
you know, I did drive around just to soak it all in. And you know, some people will say it's it's just another game. It's not just another game because these opportunities didn't come around often. And you no, know, certainly before the Ross County game, we never had <laughs> blue and white balloons <laughs> and roundabouts and flags hanging out of windows. So it was bigger than any other game. And whatever had happened, I wanted to remember that week and uh, for the rest of my life. And the fact that we won it. Uh, was incredible and as I say I, I thought the days had, had passed me by but you know, uh, it was the one thing that I'd never done for the club um, so to uh, well, win a major trophy at Hamden albeit with nobody there was was huge and you know you talk about reaching Ando's record and all the rest of it you know if I retired at the end of this season I'd be delighted that I've played so many games and you know I gave the club a trophy and a few good memories along the way and I've signed another year now, so you start to get greedy. We can go and win a cup double this year. I'd fancy myself to score at least one. There we oh, go. Oh, coming to that. Oh, we are coming to is it? Is it time, Dan? Coming to that. Is it time to unleash the pole? I reckon it might be some. Okay, I'll set you up, Dan. It's So we do a weekly pole uh, through Twitter and Facebook, and this week, coincidentally, was what is your favourite Liam Craig goal out of the four options we gave you? We'll have to say that because we argued back and forth for a wee while what should be included and what shouldn't, but the four we picked were... First of all, I'd like to say I'm glad we've got you on this week and not last week when you came third in our poll. <laughs> the poll uh, was sorry your, your, your favourite... <laughs> uh, the poll last week was uh, your favourite modern era, number 10. But I, we, we put it down to the fact that you're considered a number 26 now, so... That's yeah, the... we'll go with that. <laughs> you, got, you got scuttled by Spoonie, unfortunately. <laughs> I feel that chop that Spoonie's got is incredible. I've never heard that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, tell me that, uh, I was the only number 10 ever to sit on the bench for Hibs. So I'll quite happily give that role up to uh, Spoonie. My favourite, actually, was one you scored. You might remember it, like, well, you will remember it, I'm sure. <laughs> I hope so. It, um, yeah, this, it was the sort of Christmas New Year game at Dens Park uh, about f- two or three years ago, 2018. Cross, yeah, back post. Across and you nipped in. And I just loved it. Um, mainly because I'd had a few pints by that point. <laughs> but uh, it was a really, it was everyone just got in on the celebration. I remember Tony Watt giving it some sort of weird thing with his arms. Oh, I was cracking. <laughs> anyway, get on with the poll. But again, sorry, but that goal as well. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just jumping in here. No, you're right, mate. But that goal was, it meant, that meant so much to me. Again, obviously, it's the derby again, and a big crowd behind the goal. But that was the day that I overtook Alan Main, I think, as well. And yeah. uh, his second in appearances. So I've been lucky that I've scored a no-bad goal when it's actually meant quite a lot, you know, away from the actual goal itself. So. And that was at a time when I've, my goals have dried up loads since then, but that was, I think, my first goal of the season and my first goal for a long time as well. Nah, it was. It was a good goal, a quick corner, I remember it. And um, I spinny just balled out and get it whipped in, a tap in, and the, the, everybody went absolutely mental. But it's now half past nine at night. Uh, can we get to the point? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get to it. Right. So we're fourth place with 9% of the vote. Oh, harsh. Oh, harsh. But a good goal. It was Dundee United this season at Tannadice. Good so finish. So when you hit on the half volley, end as a point, first game of the season. Massive point now when you look back at it. It's a massive goal point. Difference. I know. Big it up. Big it up as much as you can. But as you, as you say, with uh, crowds kind of make goal and atmosphere, it's got to be a, probably the first time you've scored other than like a reserve game or a, an under-21 game where there's nobody there to kind of join in. So is it a bit bittersweet? 
It is. Um, game because we would have had a really good crowd there. Dundee United's first game back in the Premier League. Yeah. You know, we would have took a great crowd up. Mikey getting sent off in the first half, so we're doing to 10 men, one goal down. So uh, to score the goal. And again, if you actually watch the clip back, you can hear the gaffer telling me to, uh, to stay. But because I thought, we're not going to get up the park that much, and it's still early in the half, I'm going to go now, so I might not get up here night. <laughs> <laughs> and luckily it just fell to me. Um, Big Mark Connolly didn't clear it great, and I was there to score. And, as I say, a huge point now when you look at the league table. Indeed it is, very much so. <laughs> so what was third? Third place, Sam. It was your favourite, Mobile 2013. That was your your last game in your first spell, Liam. Yeah, and um, again, that's probably what I was used to doing, scoring for outside the box. And I think Chris Miller still trying to get the assist, even though it was a bad cross to go clear. <laughs> um, but what amazes me about that goal, and I've seen it back, Obviously, to finish third was incredible because the week before we got battered off a Celtic 4 0 or 4 1 at Parkhead. So we thought the chances third was gone. But Cocktie is actually the furthest away player. I think he's one of the first to celebrate with me after a, a score. So, but again, another brilliant memory. And you know, at the time, I, I didn't think I'd be back at the club. So, what a way to, to, to finish with the club in third place and to score. It wasn't a bad goal, half volley for 25, 30 yards. I've got I've I've described it in my notes here as a daisy cutter, which I might I might be um a bit of an injustice that I think. I, I think so. I'm doing it a bit of an injustice. I meant it in a nice way. Anyway, <laughs> second place. So that got 18% of the vote, sorry. Second place, 32%, was Dundee away in 2012. Now this is less in for the finish or cross from Midgey, I think, from the right, and then you're coming at the back post. But against newly promoted Dundee, it was more for the celebration. You running <laughs> the whole length of the derry and getting it right up. <laughs> I was just trying to run back down to our supporters, and then the images now are, are brilliant to look back on. But I, was that Mac's debut? Oh, I couldn't tell that, you. Oh, that's it. Put him in early doors. I think he scored, didn't he? Aye, big Fraser. He does it doing, and then Maca turns it in. But I'm that's sure right. Maca dislocated his elbow that day, and it could have been his. It could have been his debut. But again, a great... So I think I set up the first goal. Tad scored the first one. That's right, yeah. Goal and, they made penalty. and then was 2-1 up at half-time off the back of that goal. But again, for that sort of goal, I go back to my days at Ipswich and similar to the Dundee goal we spoke about from the corner. What Obviously, I was a striker back then, so I was working with some really good strikers and Dan Ben, Alan Armstrong, Marcus Ben and boys like that. So learning, like, see time in the runs and anticipating where the ball might fall. Goals like that, I think, came stuff that I'd learned way back you know, when I was 16 to 19 year old and I still think that's how I scored so many goals in my career, just coming in off that left hand side never been the quickest can I do a step over but just having that that anticipation, that know-how when to make my run and where the fullbacks are not going to expect me to arrive and that was certainly one of them and then the pictures for the celebration are quite nice as well <laughs> it certainly are the winner with 41% of the vote from Fairland away in 2008 I mean it was just a brilliant goal, wasn't it? The strike's decent, but it's what went with the strike because that was the day we went top of the league. That was the day that we had 2,000 supporters behind the goal. So when I see the goal back, the strike's obviously decent, but it's a noise. And then I'm running. I've got a great picture, actually, of me running towards the stand, and it's behind me. And it's just like that atmosphere. That's what makes the goals. Listen, if I went down the park and scored the exact same goal... Wouldn't mean anything. Yeah. But when you've got that behind the goal, with that noise, that atmosphere, knowing that you're going top of the league, and we never moved off the top of the league as well. So looking back now, that goal 
maybe my best and probably the most important. What more can we say that hasn't already been said about it? It was an absolute peach. The fact that there is still footage on it floating about on YouTube, we'll, we'll post it up if you haven't seen it in a while. But it's it's good good memory that people can still see it because cameras were few and far between, especially getting hold of the footage of it. But what a strike. I actually thought I was going to get subbed as well because I, I'm wearing number three. I was left back for a lot of that season. Kevin Harper had played, I'm sure he was playing wide right for him and gave me a torrid time. And Paul Sheeran was playing in front of me in the second half when... The gaffer makes a sub, I think that's it. I'm going off here, Peanut will go to left back, I'm going off. And he takes Peanut off, and I can't remember who he brings on, and I go into the left side of midfield. So th this story might never have happened if he took me off. Obviously, it wouldn't have if he took me off. And then, as I say, just coming in off the right-hand side, and Paul Gallagher and the goals, who, you know, as a top, top goalkeeper, and Dunfermline were a decent side. Um, and even in that year, there was a lot of good teams and a lot of good players in the league. So for us to go 22 games unbeaten off the back of that, uh, sorry, during that time was incredible. But I remember getting Iron Brew because they sponsored the league at the time. We got the Iron Brew goal of the season, but we'd had a night out the week before the Iron Brew awards. So the manager took us after the last game of the season, took us to a restaurant in Glasgow just off Socky Hall Street. So it was, I think there was maybe 12 or 13 of the players there along with their partners. And we had our own wee room. The trophy was in the middle of the table. It was brilliant. You know, all the players, listen, there was any drink you could think he was getting drunk. Uh, obviously Dell and Dot, Hardy, Pizzo, um, everyone was there. All the boys had to get up and do a song at the front of the room uh, as the night went on. I remember Ando doing uh, Music Man. And we're <laughs> on this wee stage, like tiny, like honestly not even a foot high this wee stage. And he's playing the piano. Right? <laughs> and he just falls off the end of this wee stage. Like that. <laughs> God, honestly, it was, it was brilliant and that's one of the things we still laugh about now, him doing the piano, uh, the piano man and falling off. Loves the music man, so he does. <laughs> he, uh, we dropped the trophy on Socky Hall Street when we left. And I didn't want to drop him in it, whoever dropped it. It could have been Big Hearts, to be fair. And I remember going to the Iron Brew Awards a week after, so I was there representing the club, but obviously I didn't know at the time I was getting this award as well, so it was me and Doctor that went down. Um, and I think, you know, Jeff and Stan and Steve and the, some of the board might have been there. So... Each team that won the league, a representative had to go up and I think Peter Martin was hosting it and you had to stand with a trophy. And I'm standing with this trophy and there's duct tape in that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking, oh no. Oops. But, uh, uh, no, as I say, I mean, a, a great goal, but a great season and with a great group of players and some mad people in that dressing room as well. But a lot of good fun and, you know, look at the success the club's had for, for that stage and that's when the foundation's definitely got built for the next 10, 11, 12 years. It certainly has. Uh, we'll finish up. I've got one more point in that season, which Dan likes to mention. Uh, Dan plays cricket, and a lot of his kits is made by Surridge. How bad were they kits? Ah, they weren't great. I think that first... <laughs> might be good for cricketers, but no football players. Well, not good, I can assure you they're not. <laughs> <laughs> they jumpers, were you see. Remember the like, rugby tops as well that you yeah. see players wearing back in that time? It started to rain. You couldn't move. These were the heaviest things in the world. And I'm heavy at the best of times. Never mind with one of these things on as well. So, uh, no, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a great stuff. But uh, I did like that strip, though. Um, when I first signed, it was the white one with the blue sleeves. was the home strip that year. Yeah. Uh, I did really like that one. Um, and even the light blue one, the year we finished third, and I scored that goal. Oh, sorry. That was the year we won the league, the light blue one. Mm -hmm. uh, scoring that goal on that one. I liked that one as well, so. Uh, it might not have been the best of gear, but 
it wasn't a bad strip to look at. Ah, there you go. I think because it was wasn't designed to soak up rain, because cricketers tend to just go in for a sandwich and a cup of tea if it starts to rain. So that'll be the reason why they've never had to deal oh, with it rain before. To rain every half hour. You try to watch a test match these days, and it's like, geez, they're away in a game. <laughs> <laughs> Explain yourself, Danny. Uh, I I don't speak for the whole spot. <laughs> well, believe it, I'll be just on Michael Dubery when he came to the club, as I say, bought into the dressing room and just brilliant about the boys. And he was the first one to get an indoor cricket set. So down the bottom gym next to the Newton, mm-hmm. we had the indoor uh, cricket set in there. I'll never forget one day. You know, if you're in the Newton suite, you've got the toilet seat, you walk through the wee door and the toilets are just there. Yeah, yeah. So the roof above them is like a wee, I didn't even say it's a roof, but... The ball, Sammy Collins, Samuel loved his cricket as well. Hits the box on top of the roof, so it's not the strongest of roofs. <laughs> Sammy's went up to get it. Next time, Sammy's disappeared. We've <laughs> 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 opened the door, now you can see Sammy dangling through this roof. <laughs> in the Newton Street toilets, honestly. But uh, no, the boys loved all that as well. Just again, just a great spirit and togetherness. And even now, Elliot Parrish loves his cricket, loves his goal. We've got a cricket set, but we're not allowed to use it because of obviously COVID rules and all oh, that as well. So we've not got it out yet. But now there's a big cricket and contingent at the club. And even this year, you're looking for how you can create a spirit. So uh, there's eight of us in an NFL fantasy football league that on a Sunday night in the red zone, the, 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 the WhatsApp chat's incredible. So we've found ways to keep that spirit going and togetherness going. And, you know, it's proved with the results on the pitch. Who's your NFL team? I like Green Bay Packers. Big right. Rogers fan, so he's been my quarterback all season. I actually finished fourth. Stevie May won it. Stevie May, he wins all the fantasy stuff. I think he actually buys the cheats and the codes that nobody else can be bothered buying. <laughs> but he uh, he gets all the in-depth information on the players. So he's won the football one and the NFL one uh, the last two seasons. So last thing, just when you mentioned Elliot Parish, now there was a, a colouring in competition for kids just before the cup. <laughs> but... <laughs> now you know where this might be going. Now there was an awful lot of photos, but one of them in particular caught her eye. It might have been uh, a picture of Elliot Parrish. It looked like it might have been uh, drawn by an adult, but it it didn't show him in the best light, certainly. Um, oh, listen, right, I swear, the NFL chat that I'm talking about, so it must be, I don't know, half 10, 11 o'clock at night, just about to go to sleep, the phone goes off, and Mazel's put this picture into the, the WhatsApp group, and I, I'm buckled, like, looking <laughs> at the size of this snib on the boy, honestly, it's incredible. <laughs> so I'm looking at it going, nah, like, so I've said to my missus, and she obviously knows that we've got this group, and it's carnage in the group, Lord, I look at this, like, and she's gone, that's one of you at the wind up, just like drawing that and sending it in. I says, honestly, I'm not. It's it's no uh, it's no me. Uh, and I don't think it's Maisel. But it turns out, I think it's one of Elle's pals for doing the road and seen this competition. <laughs> and then he's through it. But uh, now for another L story as well, he'll hammer me for this. But this season in the NFL chat, he was he was giving it a big one about his fantasy team. And we'd had an argument because goalies hate getting chipped in training when you're doing shooting exercises. So we'd had a big argument about like just getting the goal, save the ball. If you get dinked, you get dinked. It happens on a Saturday sort of thing. And we had this big argument. And he started name dropping goals that he'd worked with uh, in the past. And they told him if people start doing that, just walk out the goals. So one of the names he's dropped, Shea Given. <laughs> so uh, obviously Craig Bryson's came to the club now, right? Uh-huh. So <laughs> Craig knows Shea for his time at Derby and good pals with him. So Craig's uh, text um, Shea. Say, no, sorry, we thought Craig's text Shea, but Maisel's changed his number to Shea Given. So, like, <laughs> Craig's text and Maisel then it'd be Shea Given saying, Have you heard of this boy, uh, Elliot Parrish? And, like, Maisel's texting back, Nah, I never heard of 
and Elliot Parrish. We there used to be a young kid called Elijah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, God, Elliot for about three or four weeks is absolutely raging. <laughs> Honestly, Bryzo, we win the League Cup. We're FaceTiming him after the game, and he's gone, Elijah. Like, who's he talking to? Or I'm absolutely fuming. So every morning we've just been on him about it, and then seeing we told him he was absolutely devastated, but I think relieved at the same time. Ah, that he was still pals with him. She actually knows who Elliot or Elijah is anyway. <laughs> but well, as I say, a great, another great character in the dressing room. And as I say, you tell with the stories, the spirit, and the togetherness is definitely there. Brilliant. And we'll finish up. Very last thing, we've got a wee run of games to finish the season. What's the target? Right now it's to try and get fifth. Um, obviously, there's a European spot potentially up for grabs if we can do that. It'll be difficult because, you know, Livingston are four points clear of a better goal difference and you're playing against, you know, the top teams in the league. It might be easier to win the Scottish Cup, to be honest, because you might not have to play any of them. <laughs> um, no, definitely. I think we've had such a good season in the league off the back of how well we've done in the, in the League Cup. You know, that gave us the confidence, I think, with a win against breaking early doors, you know, scoring these seven goals, I think was huge for us. Um, and having the League Cup going so well, I think gave a lot of confidence when the league game. So certainly we want to make a good start Saturday. Um, but we just need to go and enjoy the, the rest of the season. You know, you win the League Cup and finishing the top six, incredible. Uh, especially if we were at one point of the season. But now, you know, we're on a really good run and we want to keep that going. So we'll try and win as many as possible. And as I say, fifth's definitely the aim. And if that brought another European trip and what a season it would be to talk about. How's Calvin getting on with the training? Good. Uh, no, good. It's, it's been tough for that age group, just keeping them occupied for the last year. I bet. Homeschooling, just a no-no. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, it has been tough, but um, so it's just like anyone you get on with it. And we've been lucky as players, you know, you're still going to training every day and still, uh, you know, resembling a wee bit of a normal life if you like but mm-hmm. you know, the quicker I can get back to watch him playing football on a Saturday morning then you know coming to my game in the afternoon in front of the supporters the better and that's another reason why I'm delighted I would have hate to to, to sign a new deal I would have hate to have finished this year and walk off on an empty stadium and never to return again so at least now I've got another few games to, to, uh, to play in front of the supporters and we very much look forward to that day Liam thank you very much for coming on chatting to us and as I say, if you want to celebrate and if you want to run into the away stand and pose with the big flag for us, uh, I'll send as many mugs as you like. <laughs> no problem at all. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No, no problem at all, Liam. Oh, Appreciate that, buddy. I really enjoyed that, mate. Cheers. Thanks again, mate. Cheers. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. The Dogger Saints podcast is proudly supported by JM Car Sales. We are an independently owned car dealer based at Inveramond Industrial Estate with over 25 years of experience. We always have a large number of cars in stock. However, if we don't have exactly what you're looking for, we will work with you to source it. Our range of flexible finance options makes it easier to afford your ideal car. In our RAC approved workshop, our servicing starts at £119. We also offer service plans, MOTs and tyre fitting at affordable prices. Plus, if you quote Dogger Saints, we will extend your warranty to one year on any applicable car purchase. Contact us today on Perth 01738 248 080 or check out jmcarsales.co.uk for a full list of our current stock and details about maintenance. Broken record time, Dan. It's time to see how great our last guest was. But he was, though. He was brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. So grateful uh, to Liam for, for his time and coming to have a chat with us. It was a good, good long chat he had with us, actually. And yeah, it was, it was brilliant. Some great stories. 
feel a bit sorry for Elliot Parrish, to be fair. He got it tight. <laughs> I didn't realise Elliot Parrish was apparently sort of the character of the dressing room. <laughs> he, I, I sort of want to get I sort of want to get him on now. Sounds a good laugh. We've laid down the marker. Elliot Parrish, if you will listen to this, get in touch. But after all that St. Johnson chat, it's time for the club shop of shame. The shopkeeper has his brown coat on, the door has been unlocked, the bell has been reattached just above the door. I don't know why I'm explaining a shop from the 1940s, but <laughs> but the, the merch on the shelf has been dusted down with a, a feather duster. And what's on there this week, Dan? <laughs> Once again, I'm going to ask, are you really happy with that intro? Well, <laughs> it's staying. It's, it's, it's staying and it's probably better than last week's. Yeah. <laughs> As ever, we have got some honking, steaming merch for you good people out there. And we're going to kick it all off with former wonder kid and complete and utter lunatic, Mario Balotelli. Right, okay. Yeah. Now, oh, Mario, a character, I think you'd say. (laughs) He's a tit. He's a complete and utter tit. I mean, (laughs) when he set fireworks off in his... This was pretty funny. When he set fireworks off in his old bathroom... (laughs) <laughs> and then a week later became the face of uh, the Manchester Fire Services Firework Awareness Campaign. But remember when he couldn't get a bib on? That was funny. <laughs> I, I laughed at it quite heartily, apart from the fact that now, ever since then, in whatever it's been, 10 years, every time I got to put a bib on at fives or something, I can't get it on. That's what you get. So, right. That's what I get. That's the karma police coming to get me. Mario Balotelli, uh, what's he done? Right, yeah, we'll get to it. He's... um. So obviously I had this famous sort of little Mohican hairstyle. Yep. Now, kids, <laughs> did you ever look at that and think, well, that's quite stylish. You might have done, we're all young ones. But did you ever look at that and think, I wouldn't mind that on the back of my football boots? <laughs> what? Yeah, uh, he made a pair of football boots. I've also just realised about these. They say, why always me on the side? Oh, that's yeah. not haunted me for years. So he's gone and done uh, with Puma. And anyone at Puma, you've got big questions to answer here about how you allowed this to happen. Uh, a pair of a pair of football boots with like a bit of a <laughs> <laughs> just see what it looks like. <laughs> He's meant to be a Mohican. He's a Mohican. A little bit of fluff in this. It <laughs> looks like a, a Mohican. It looks like a soul patch. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely what I thought it looked like. Um, <laughs> So, no, so there we go. Um, fit, to be fair, a fitting tribute for Mario Balotelli. A very fitting tribute <laughs> for Mario Balotelli. Uh, so, yeah, so there we go. Football boots with a Mohican on the back. That might be some of the, that might be top sort of five premier bits of absolute crap we've had on this section. I think it's probably crashed well into the top five without a shadow right. of a doubt. Was this just for kids or for adults or? Surely you wouldn't be turning up at Sunday League with these on. I'm not going to lie. I think they might have been for adults as well. I think they might have been all ages. Horrific. Absolutely horrific. But we'll post a photo of these so and you can make your own opinion of uh, how dreadful these pieces of crap are for your feet. And we'll, we ventured into the pet market previously. More, more so cat bowls and dog leads from Coventry City. And I think we're going to take another wee uh, trip into uh, pets at home. Yes. Well, it's pets and motoring. <laughs> Which have been two two prominent features in this. How have we possibly managed to combine the two? <laughs> right. Surprisingly, it's not Cov. Uh, basically, what I've... I did actually stumble upon this because I was trying to look through Coventry's website to see if they'd done anything rubbish this week. <laughs> but then I started thinking, what other tin pot clubs down south are that I can just rummage through the website? <laughs> and I couldn't think of anyone more tin pot than sort of future Celtic manager Eddie Howe's Old club, Bournemouth. 
a boring man, a boring football club, and a shit little ground. <laughs> and if we look at them, <laughs> I've got a real thing about Bournemouth. I saw them as being like Hamilton Ackies, like just a bit pointless. <laughs> I, I discovered when I was doing this, Jonathan Woodgate was in charge there. I forgot about him. Remember his debut yeah. for Real Madrid anyway. when he got sent off and uh, gave away a penalty, scored an own goal. Absolutely virtuoso performance. <laughs> they had the white hankies out for him after about 30 minutes. Anyway, back to the point. So I was rummaging through Bournemouth's um, merch section and <laughs> I found a car sticker. Now, this isn't um, unusual for clubs to have car stickers available to them. You know, don't follow, uh, don't follow me, follow Atkinson Stanley or something like that. Good. Catchy, catchy. I'm just going to come out and say this. This one is a dog, a dog paw print. Okay. With <laughs> my pet is a AFC Bournemouth fan. And actually it's got a Bournemouth crest there. I, I don't think pets have the concept of supporting a football team. I, I really don't. And also, sort of snooking if your pet's a parrot or something <laughs> like this. Cause, that's a dog print. You can maybe claim it was cat. I don't know. But Why? Why would you want this? My pet supports, not, not even my dog or my cat. or My pet is a Bournemouth fan. I could, whilst I wouldn't have it, have it anywhere near my car, I can get it when people have a St. Johnston fan on board or something like that. Because that's humans who have a concept of supporting a football team. Honestly. They can't drive well, either. They also can't drive. <laughs> this is or read. Important. Yeah, or read. See, if I was walking along the street and I seen a sticker said, my pet sports Bournemouth, I wouldn't then kick my dog for not following football. (laughs) (laughs) You would not. That dog supports a football team. What's wrong with you, man? There's lots wrong with your dog. Yeah, that's true. That's just a mere tip of the iceberg. Uh, (laughs) And also, I'd have to point out as well that if I seen that on a car, I would be very much phoning the police to confiscate the guy's hard drive. Correct. <laughs> there's not much more we can, uh, there's not much further we can go from here. But we'll be back next week with more terrible merch. We have a few lined up. But, but... If, if you want to pick a lower league football club, go on to their website, see if they've got any crap merch and send it to us. It's a great game. Yeah, oh, it's, oh, it's great fun. Honestly, it kills WhatsApp, kills 10 minutes by the afternoon. Uh, I did that on my lunch hour, by the way. Of, co- of course. So if you have seen anything? Yes. For example, if you've seen a Peterhead Football Club guide to the English language, <laughs> it could be out there. You let us know. All the usual social streams. Don't say it, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. Get there! <laughs> there it is. On the news of merch, this, is, um, this isn't good news, Dan. Oh, no. We, we only bring the good times so. up. Well, this is what we attempt. Now, with the mug selling out really, really quickly... Uh, I went to put in an order because I've got a kind of waiting list for people looking for one and I contacted the company and Dan, we can't get them. We can't get I any more. I haven't felt like this since Princess Diana joshed it. <laughs> Don't I'm trying to be serious. <laughs> but no, the, the, the mugs with the blue interior and the blue handles, they do not know when they're going to get them back in stock. Now, I, I played around with the... Um, <laughs> Please finish the sentence quickly. I played around with the different options for colours inside the mug and it just didn't look right. I tried green and maybe thought, oh, that might go with the teal. I tried yellow as an away mug. It just it just didn't work. So we cannot get any more of the mugs in. Goodbye, my lover. However, oh. we have got a special edition. Teal Magenta St. Johnson Dogger Saints mug. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey.
There we are. Yes, we have ordered a very, very limited range of teal magenta themed St. Johnson mugs. It's almost identical to the previous one, except that the bulldog on one side has got a teal magenta background and it's got our logo, which we're currently using, which is the Dogger Saints unofficial St. Johnson podcast logo with a teal magenta background. But it's a lovely looking mug. We're due to get them midweek and I will post some photos up. Yeah, these are very limited. So as I say, first come, first serve. But anyone who got in touch with us about our last run of mugs, we've got your name noted down. So obviously we're in touch with you about them. But yeah, um, really great bit of kit again so i mean the, the last ones were lovely but the i'd say these are equally as lovely i think so i think they're a lovely looking thing so if you do want one get in touch like i said we're due to get them on wednesday and thursday last week in wiggog that's a supermarket chat for when it's gone it's gone oh good i used to work in marks and spencers in the food bit they made me dress up as a turkey at christmas once <laughs> nice yeah, yeah, just uh, just thought I'd throw that out there. I'm surprised you wanted to work in Marks and Spencers. I thought you'd rather be in Reese. <laughs> Got a text from my mate Andy when um, if there was ever going to be a musical about Danny Williams, it'd be called "Give Reese a Chance." The Danny Williams story. I thought that was brilliant. Oh, it was absolutely tremendous. I was I was in stitches at that. I've took a bit of stick for um, how I live my life this week. Got stick for having a subscription to GQ. <laughs> um, got a script, stick from you for listening to my bloody Valentine. You emo. And then. Um, and then Andy's come in with Give Reese a Chance, the Danny Williams story, which was pretty tremendous. It was good, but I don't understand how you can read GQ and listen to Good Charlotte at the same time. I don't know how that works. Man, you're getting genres confused, man. <laughs> the same, is it not? No, no. My bloody Valentine was a shoegazing band with an emo name, but years before emo was actually a thing. I never listened to Good Charlotte. Oh, of course. Uh, you didn't like it. Was it the original famous. <laughs> right, come on. Right, we'll, we next, must move next on. order of business. Let's get our orders in. It's Giorgio Boy on the Royal. It's not actually going to be long until we can get a pint, Dan. It's so tantalisingly close. We've got a couple of spots this week. As always, get them into us. Our first one is coming from Dave McDonald, who's seen... Ready for this, Dan? A former, I am ready. A, a former St. Johnson manager. It was Paul Sturrock and Spearmint Rhino in London. What? No, it wasn't. It was John McClelland and uh, Ellen Road. Fair enough. Well, was this when John McClellan was playing for Leeds? No, this was well after. This was quite recently, actually. Uh, Dave McDonald sent this one in, and he was working in Leeds at the time, and he had some time to kill, so he went along to Elland Road to see if they were doing any tours. So he was sat there waiting for the tour to start, and John McClellan was actually taking the tour. And he said, which one's from Scotland? Dave put up his hand, and he goes, I'm a St. Johnson fan, and John McClellan's head dropped slightly. He didn't have the most successful time as manager, but he did say he was kind of pushed into that position. Very similar yeah. to Alan Preston at Livingston, I believe. Yeah, and I mean, following Alex Tartan was always probably going to be a, not the easiest task, I'd say. No, but apparently he did a very good job of the tour, and then they wandered around and talked about St. Johnson and things like that. So that was John McClellan at Ellen Road. Good story. That could have been a Saint story this week. That very well could have been a Saint story, but it's not. We've deemed it as an old boy. And, our next and I'll have nothing further on the matter. <laughs> <laughs> and the next one we've got sent in is by Jamie, who said he's seen Paddy Craig in Body Academy Perth, which which all seems well and good, but I'm not convinced. I think this is somebody poaching for free advertising, I think. Oh, don't you be doing that. Oh, we, we can sniff them out a mile away, like the one we got in from Scott Finlay, who said he's seen Liam Gordon enjoying Burger Night at Cherry Bank. See, that's almost bordering on advertising. 
Tell you what, Dan, I think I've seen Liam Craig noting down the number on the side of a Miller Watt painter and decorators van because he'd heard about the great service and professionalism involved with the company. That's what I heard. I work in the public sector and can't have no... <laughs> can't do no advertising in my workplace. Have you ever seen a Saints player at GM car sales? That's okay. We're happy to talk about that. So, Dan is limbering up for his big podcast moment. This is his highlight of the week, not just in the podcast, in life. Dan, where else could you have seen a Saints player? Well, what we'd like to know, Sam, is whether uh, anyone out there... No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm going big. <laughs> Saints players, where have you seen them? What have they been doing? You know what to do. You let us know by all the social streams. few examples for you. Have you ever seen Kevin James tapping up Danny DeVito regarding a remake of the 1988 <laughs> classic Twins? I've got a fun Photoshop in that one together. <laughs> <laughs> it could have happened. Let us know. Other one. Have you ever seen Gary Irving hanging about with some motherfuckers that act like they forgot about Drake? <laughs> It could have happened. Again. And if it has, you know what to do. All of the usual social streams. Get there! <laughs> oh, this is bordering on absolute chaos this week. Good. This and that's is why we have to do Sunday. This is why we should do it on a quiet Sunday evening and not on a Saturday night. But it's time for Saint Stories. And this one is called Alan Main and Kevin Moon circa 2008 Battle of City Nightclub VIP Area. Not a catchy title, Grant. I need some work, but that's what we're going with. Hey, it sets the scene. It does indeed. We don't need to tell you anymore. That is it. That's the story. Full story. This is coming from uh, John Ramsey. So there's more to come. There's more to come, Sam. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so, as I say, this is from John Ramsey. So, nice fellow uh, listener of ours. John tells us that him and four mates bumped into Alan Main outside the foundry. They got chatting to Almain outside, a little bit worse for wear, but on his way home. Now, as you do, you get a bit ballsy after a drink. And so John and the boys um, tempted him to go into City Nightclub, which was across the road. Um, Those were the days. Now, that was before my time in Perth, you know. Oh, you wouldn't have been... Went to City. You would have never been at Boogie Express on a Friday night. Boogie Express? Yeah, the, the guy won Big Brother, uh, Anthony. He was in it. It was like a 70s dancer. They'd have like all the guys oh, up yeah. on stage giving it... Uh, all the 70s gear Billy Ray Valentine that was one of the guy's characters Billy Ray sounds like Bang Bang Bar <laughs> uh, anyway it's similar <laughs> it's similar to like what's that one in Newcastle everybody goes to Buffalo Joe's Buffalo Joe's yeah it's like that anyway sorry sorry carry on yeah I, I just used to hang about in indie clubs in Blackpool so uh, with my kind of red stripe listening to Paddy Moore and Panic at the Disco can't even lie with both of them <laughs> uh, anyway maybe not Panic anyway so John and the boys and Alan now in tow uh, they'd gone over to City and Alan had used his connections uh, to jump to the front of the queue and get into the VIP lounge free of charge. Brilliant. What, what more could happen from here? Well, that, that's surely the story. <laughs> you think wrong, my friend. Sorry, carry on. And don't call me Shirley. <laughs> um, we might. <laughs> 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 yes. Can I find get it... to the end of this story? Yes. Without sound effects coming in. <laughs> go for it. Right. So the man is skipped the queue and go just in and skips in ahead of Kevin Moon, also used to play for Saints, who was asked to part with £10 while four punters and Alan Main walk in free of charge. Unsurprisingly, Kevin got his back up a little bit about this and was having a bit of an argument with a bouncer, uh, trying to wrangle him for free. 
and Alamein was stood there just giving him stick the entire time. <laughs> the story concludes, it doesn't actually say what happened, whether Kevin did get in for free, but the story concludes, uh, John and the boys spent the remainder of the evening with Alan, who enjoyed showing us out-of-shape students his chiselled abs on the dance floor in sporadic spells. Lovely. He describes it as a strong night all in all. <laughs> that, that is a strong night. That is a pretty strong night. Uh, the current theme on the St. Johnson podcast is Alamein tends to go out by himself a lot. Yeah. Yeah, he does that. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, dearie me, this has been one of them weeks, Dan, hasn't it? Uh, we've got a bit giddy. We're giddy because the football returns on Saturday. Back to the top six action. Sabadine at home. Yeah, but the first game post split and we should be beating them, shouldn't we, really? You would like to think so. The fact that the only guy scoring goals for them can't play. Well, yeah, Callum Hendry, obviously uh, ineligible because he really plays for us. <laughs> and I, I, you say scoring goals. Well, the only guy scoring goals for them. That is absolutely factually correct. They've scored two goals in the past 11 games, and one of them was against Dumbarton. It's a team that can't score goals against a team that aren't conceding any. Yep, so that'll be 4 0 Aberdeen. Um, <laughs> Write the script. Though. And we'll be back next week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get Lynn to confiscate that. <laughs> Apart from the fact I've really enjoyed it. That's um, a great button. Do you want to hear what uh, else he's got in here? Yeah. Uh, what, let me see. I don't know what these buttons do, but she's got them thinking for work. So that's the House of Games theme tune. That is a House of Games theme tune. Oh, that's for all the funny jokes that we tell. But not, <laughs> we've not used it yet. There we go. That's all the buttons. That was a, that was a good feature. Good. Right. <laughs> a team that can't score goals, 4-0 Aberdeen. That's where we're up to. That's where we're up to, yeah. So, no, I think it'll be... Like, I'm not going to come out and say it's going to be a great game of football. I think Saints could go back to... For some reason, I just think Saints could go back to one up top. Melamed didn't look best pleased when he went off against Dundee. No, he didn't. No. Saturday. No, so, he did not. Yep. Body language suggests he was a bit pissed off looking, but... Yeah, so... He'd run his race, though. Uh, he had run his race, and, you know, whether there is something there, because he never seems to play more than, more than an hour, but, hey, look, uh, well, Hamilton, he played 90 and scored with about two minutes to go, so... But anyway, I think whatever team he puts... We keep saying the same thing every week, man. It's whatever team he puts out, he'll, I'm sure he'll get it right. They know what they're doing. I'm glad I'm glad there's no midweek game because I think a full week to look at that uh, Dundee game. Maybe, maybe for a couple of players to just another week off because particularly thinking Spoonie and Ali McCann. Yeah, they'll need it, won't they? Yeah, I think... Well, I think they'll get they'll get back into the swing of things. Games are going to come thick and fast. Yeah, hopefully we can start the. Hopefully we can get started with three points because if we don't, it makes that fifth spot and possibly Europe very very difficult. Livingston last game of the season. I hope we're still with a shout when it comes down to that because I know the league form we've got them. Then we've got Rangers, Hibs, Celtic. So they're never going to be easy games in the top six. But I tend, I think we tend to play better against footballing teams. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course they're not going to be easy games. The thing is, take it to that last day and still be in with shout. I back Saints because I think what we've seen over the course of the season in those sort of pressure games, in those sort of games where you need a result and all right, I know Hamilton did us a bit of a favour a couple of weeks ago. Saints do the job. Yeah, They know what they're doing. Yeah, I think just take, if they can take it to that last game, look, I think Rangers are probably going to be looking at five out, at least four out of five. Celtic might be, might be one you can target. Hibs, Ab- Aberdeen, Hibs and Livingston. There's no reason why, I shouldn't, why we can't get nine points out of that. No, should probably be enough for fifth because I think Liv- 
are absolutely pony at the moment. So we will find out next week how we get on and we'll look forward to the next round of the Scottish Cup and the match against Rangers at home. That almost brings another episode to an end. We've just got a couple of updates on our currently running campaign. Some very big news on this one. Our Nick Daswich in a Hall of Fame campaign is going to pick up some momentum this week. I contacted the club regarding that and how they, they pick the players to go into the Hall of Fame and I was I got an email back to say that it was based on uh, player votes and if a player gets enough votes or enough interest then they'll, they'll be considered. So so I've decided to start a petition, an online Good. petition. I, I went through the government website to begin with. They weren't having any of it. They have nothing better to do. Yeah. So I don't think it was going to be discussed in the House of Commons at any time soon, but I will we'll post up on all our social media the, the website where you can uh, put, add your name to the petition list and I'll get it sent off to the club and hopefully we will get Nick Dazic into the Hall of Fame where he deserves to be. Absolutely. And yeah, we've just got to keep, keep the momentum going with that really. And it does seem like we're making... <clears throat> some headway with it. I say we, that's the royal we. Um, Sam's been making some headway with it, so yeah, hopefully we get some bit more news coming in there. But I think there's, so, there's significant support for it, as we said all along, and yeah, it'd be nice because it's nice to have, it's nice to be nice, particularly for, for good people like Nick. Exactly right. Uh, he backs our Teal Magenta campaign, and so do all of you. It's, everybody's been on board with it. Uh, Almost everybody. Apart from my brother. Apart from your brother. He's just trying to be controversial, isn't he? He's not very good at it either. Having <laughs> it to party the dinosaur. <laughs> no, we've, um, everyone's been getting involved. It's been brilliant. And you've seen so many people, uh, like, um, you know, you go through social media and they've got Taylor Magenta in the display pics and all that. It's fantastic. Everyone digging out their old shirts. SJFC News uh, on Twitter, he's been mocking some kits up, which is great. It's just to see people getting involved. Uh, so a big shout out to everyone. Um, and hope, hopefully we'll just see what happens with it. But keep it going, because it's all very good fun. Yeah, you ever seen that Ric Flair thing? I guess, I've come to announce to you today that I will never retire. Yeah, and um, that's how we feel about the Taylor Magenta kit. And, and in case you're wondering who Ric Flair is, he was a wrestler from, no prizes for guessing, the decade. The 80s. <laughs> he was, yeah, but he was big in the 90s as well. <laughs> so that wraps up another episode, Dan. It does, Sam, and it's been... It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> it has been that. That's without a beer. I've had two cups of coffee and that has been it. But we just want to say thanks to, first of all, Liam Craig for coming on this week. And he actually apologised to us afterwards. He said, I'm sorry if I took up too much of your time. I love talking about football and telling stories. And I cannot believe Liam Craig's apologising to us, a couple of frauds. Honestly, so thankful for his time and for him being so generous for his time. And it's one thing, you know, we love doing as well is talking football. So... It was, it was lovely to have his company. Absolutely fantastic. It was. It was great. It's Mugwobi at McDermott. I just want to say thanks to all the listeners, new and uh, continuing. We get new listeners every single week, and it's great to have you on board with us. You're not going to get anything that's going to be too intellectual. Just a bit of banner. Exactly that. I mean, it's lovely that we get to catch up. Uh, you know, we could have done that. You know, if it wasn't for the listeners, if it wasn't for you guys getting so on board and engaging with us so much, we might have just been doing one of these once every so often just for a bit of a laugh. But because you guys have really taken to it and you're engaging with us all the time, and but I love the fact that you guys get in touch with us, joining the banter and, and even through the week, just chatting to us on socials and stuff like that. It's absolutely brilliant. So thank you so much. And to everyone new who's listening, as Sam said, you know, welcome aboard. It's it's it is generally this nonsense every week. So that it, it's um and that it's just tremendous. Thank you so much again. Exactly. And thanks to Lynn as well, who makes us sound almost listenable. Listenable, is that a word? Audible. Yeah. Audible, listenable, either way. No, thank you so much, Lynn. Um 
And the backroom team as well, who they know who they are. They do all their bits. Nori especially, who does all our YouTube stuff. We'll have to thank for the first time as well, JM Car Sales for supporting the podcast this week. If you want to check out their list of cars, you can go to jmcarsales.co.uk. That's J-M-C-A-R-S-A-L-E-S. I had to do that, didn't I, really? No, she had to. Yeah, big thanks to Liam Ross for supporting this episode. Exactly. And if you want to get in touch with Scott for servicing, he's also there as well. So thanks again to you guys. And thanks again to the listeners. And we will see you next week. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, it's been a pleasure as always. So until next time. And there's only one song to play us out with this week, Dan. What could that be, Sam? See you later. Bye. Get there!